some of uh, Philippians 2 here with uh, verse 12 forward. Um, if something in your translation is remarkably different and you want to say, hey, this one says this, what, it, what, what do you think about that? Go ahead. But uh, chapter 2, verse 12 starts off with, Therefore, <laughs> therefore, that word means in conclusion, let this mind be in Christ, in you, and now in conclusion, because the mind of Christ is in you, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not just in my presence, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now that verse makes a whole lot more sense in light of the mind of Christ. I've heard this verse out of context preached on a few occasions where they talk about you have to work it out and talk about it and uh, continually be in process of being saved. That's what one of the verses are for process theologians. If you're not familiar with that, there's different kinds of theologians. One, one set of theology says once you've been born again, you're good to go. You can sin, but you're still going to heaven. Another one calls it, uh, if you uh, give your life to God and then you mess up and you fail, you got to repent and do it all over again because you backslid. And then you have Wesley, who's a process theologian. It says, by grace you're saved, and that's a process. That you're converted and you begin to learn to live the life of faith after conversion and grow that relationship by growing in grace. And so he says, therefore, you work out that salvation with fear and trembling. Other folks who use this verse say, you got to work out your salvation with fear and trembling because you want to make sure you set a good example. What I like is what Paul says. I agree with the author. I don't have to tell Paul what this verse means. He's telling us in the verses right before it. He says, Let this mind be in you which is in Christ, and every tongue will confess on heaven and on earth, on earth, below the earth, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Therefore, since every tongue is going to confess you better make sure you work out your salvation with fear and trembling because He's Lord, not you. Now it starts to fit in context a little better, doesn't it? Now, you're working out your salvation with fear and trembling. Paul then would say to us that your salvation is your life with Christ in God. That is your salvation. It is not something that is... I guess the best word I can use is a one and done thing where you say a prayer and now all of a sudden you're seated right hand of God the Father Almighty because you said a prayer. That has nothing to do with the cross, you praying. What has to do with salvation is Jesus Christ's death, the resurrection, uh, and uh, return. That has everything to do with our salvation because He's the bond servant that paid our debt to bring us salvation and now he's saying, work it out. And, and you think that working it out would mean, well, I have to labor to show God I'm saved. No, it's not what it means. If we look at James, we know that works is the evidence of a faith. 
and works is the evidence of godly wisdom. And so, here he says, you're working out your salvation. You ever been to the gym or worked out a muscle? Anybody ever done that? So when you work out that muscle, does that mean, okay, I lifted it once and I worked it out, I'm done. No, it doesn't because it's not about the working out. It's about the salvation that you come before God thanking Him because He's bestowed it upon you. And we have come to God because of what His Son did. I come unworthy, but Christ says I'm worthy. But I can't tell Him, God, I'm worthy because Your Son said I am. I say, God, I love Your Son. I'll let Him plead my case. And I'm going to work out my salvation and keep doing the things that show Him that I love Him. Salvation is not a born-again thing. Salvation is the process of becoming a believer in Christ fully mature. A lot of people think salvation is membership. <laughs> in the church or the kingdom of God. You're a member, you're saved, you're a member, welcome home, you got it. That is not what salvation is. Salvation is a process of becoming a full Christian mature in Christ to the level you can mature. That's salvation. Maturing in faith shows salvation at work. Salvation is actually a verb. A lot of folks go, Oh, how's your salvation? Well, you know, I've got it. God's got it right up there. I'm good. Salvation is, is how's it working? Your salvation is, is a thing. It's, a, it's an action. That's why a lot of people lose the initial joy of their salvation experience, as we call it their conversion experience more correctly because they stop growing in it. One of the greatest things I find is that I'm still learning more all the time. I get excited about the stuff. It's just just excited and, and probably more now because there's more layers of stuff here that I learned that each time I learn something new, I get excited and I want to learn more. I'm going, oh, this is great. Let me find out what else about it. And I just get into it, you know. That's working it out. That's and, and here's the funny thing. Working out your salvation with fear and trembling is not an individual effort. It's a multiple effort. You and God. God's got to work in you His grace and your junk out. I like what Oswald Chambers once said. He said that God's got the grace in you, now He's got to get the junk out of you. He's got to manifest that salvation up through your mind and your heart and get the whole thing saved. <laughs> and it takes some time. Because there's parts of you that are still resistant to the grace of God and the mercy, and we want to think we own it or uh, earned it. Or we have to earn it. And we don't. The worst thing we can do in, in, in our relationship with Jesus Christ is to think we have to earn His love or His favor. How miserable a person to think that they've got to work for that. 
because it's a debt we cannot pay. Amen. It's too big. It's impossible for us to pay something that costs blood <laughs> to cover it. We can't pay it and still live. It just doesn't work. And so we try to labor in the wrong things. And he's saying work out your salvation. Here's what's really cool. If you ever read about John the Baptist come preaching and teaching and baptizing the remission of sin, um, the uh, soldiers and tax collectors would come to him and he'd say, what must we do? And he'd say, bear the fruits of repentance, which is what working your salvation is all about. And they, he would say, uh, bear, taxpayers, collect no more than your share. Uh, soldiers, put no excess burdens on the people. Uh, and all the different things that people come through, and he'd tell them, don't put hurt on others. Right? And, uh, and the reason I think that John the Baptist was so powerful in that is because his fruit of repentance was for people who wanted the forgiveness from the washing of sin in that baptism. Right? That, that's what he was doing. And, uh, and they wanted to know how to live and be repentant. And here's what we miss and what I don't always talk about, but every now and then I do is that as a believer, one of our regular tasks is to repent. God, I repent from this. I turn from that. And I no longer do that, and I do this instead. I no longer lie, but now I speak truth to my brother in love. It's working out your salvation. Going from one to another. It's the turning 180 thing. Working over here the wrong way. God, I repent. Go this way. And I promise you, there will be a lot of people who really love Jesus going to tell you, you repent every day. Doesn't mean you ask for like salvation every day. But that you repent. Say, God, I want to be better for you. I want to be a more useful vessel. A vessel under your honor. So work that salvation out, God, in me. Because this fear and trembling... I used to think fear and trembling was bad. I used to think that. But think about this. If you belong to Jesus Christ and you have some sinful natures in yourself you're still hanging on to, ought that not be a little fearful for you? You're choosing that over Jesus. Jesus, look what I'm doing. I'm holding this over you. I've got this in my life, this unhealthy thing, whatever it is, and I'm placing it above you because I won't let go of it. There ought to be some fear and a little trembling there going, God, I'm on unholy ground here with you. Not that you're thinking God's going to smite you, but that He could. And that it could hurt your relationship with your Heavenly Father whom you love because you won't let go. So you have to work it out. And continually bring that stuff as God makes you aware of it to Him and repent for having it in the first place. That is nothing but good, solid growth in grace. And that's what He's saying here. And then, and then verse 13. Now verse 13 fits. For it's God who works in you 
To do what? To do His will. uh, To will and to do for His good pleasure. God is at work in you to desire Him by that Holy Spirit with the life of Christ in you. Desiring that you be a clean and honored vessel. um, Spotless and pure. Yeah, how's it say it? For God is working in you. This is verse 13. Mm-hmm. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Yes. That makes it very... Yes, yes. See, salvation process is getting rid of what pleases you and exchanging it for what pleases God in your life. And here's the thing. Everybody who's not a believer will tell you how you should behave to please God. Other believers tell you what you should be doing to please God. Again, the word should is shame. There's no shame in grace. Not should be doing it. It's you will be doing it if you'll let God run it more and more and more. He'll gradually clean it up and as quickly as you'll let Him to bring you clean and whole before Him. Remember, Christ is going to present you faultless before the throne. Sooner or later, that stuff's going to go bye-bye anyway. And if I'm living for the throne, room there, then this other stuff that I've been embracing down here, it doesn't fit in that mind of Christ relationship anyway. That stuff doesn't help. Well, I'm doing all this sinful stuff over here. But wait a minute. Why am I doing that if I'm, I'm a part of that kingdom? That doesn't fit up there. And God's trying to get us to work that out. Uh, a funny way of saying it, if you will, is Jesus is like tied. He gets out the stains that others put in. Including yourself. Yeah, I've heard that before. <laughs> I've never said that from a pulpit before, but I've heard that before. Um, believe it or not, that's as far as we're going to get tonight at 6 o'clock. But those are two good verses. And if you can get grasp that, that you do not live the Christian faith without God's help because you cannot. God in you lives the faith. You cooperate and you bring along all the parts of you that have been led away captive. I love that. The Babylonian captivity, the Egyptian captivity, right? All the captivities of Israel. Those are, we should look at those one day. Egypt is the bondage. Babylonian is disobedience or, or demonic idolatry. That's why they were taken captive, right? They, they held other gods. And so, if parts of us are pulled away captive, we have the parts of us that are tied to uh, I, other things we placed ahead of God. Um, some people would say, and I would agree that our use of time can become idolatrous. Use of our money can become idolatrous. The use of relationships can become idolatrous if we put those ahead of God. And God's going to let those parts of our life be taken captive. And when you start to work out your salvation, you can see what you've lost because of that. And, and as it says in Isaiah that He's trying to return the captives home and set the prisoner free. We are prisoners in this body 
trying to live against the world's standards until Christ comes in, and then we live for those standards. And that is a challenge. How many parts of us are captive still? Is our mind still captive to this world and the way it thinks, or are we living the way Christ does and did? And understanding our relationship with Him and the Heavenly Father down here to... I'm saying down here like spatial, but from here to the throne where we belong. Because our citizenship is not the earth. Our citizenship really isn't Kentucky. It's not United States. It's the kingdom of God. That's our citizenship. That's forever. This stuff down here, your citizenship ends when you die. They were a citizen of Kentucky. They're no longer a citizen of Kentucky. They're dead. You lose voting rights when you die. Well, they accepted Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Or Florida. <laughs> oh, but we're not talking politics here. <laughs> Political mess. That's right. Um, that's right. Um, but I, you know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> yeah. Because um, here's how I kind of look at it. Imagine you, when you were born, you were a jigsaw or a picture, a picture of what God wanted you to be, and then he came along and stamped it with the cutter to make jigsaw puzzle pieces, then he broke them up all apart, and it kind of scattered around. And the world's trying to tell you that's normal. Now your life's over here, your life's over there, and God's saying, no, you're held captive by what you believe that doesn't line up with the Word. It creates soulish ties, demonic influence, uh, Soulish realm stuff. It invites all sorts of torment and torture. And it invites you to be held captive and in bondage. But Jesus came to set us free. We just don't think we're in prison. Because we can't see the bars. And that's why we don't always need the key in our mind. And that is why we need the repentance. Once we accept God's assessment of who we are, we start to change. All right, uh, that's through verse 13. Let me circle 14. That's where we start next time. <laughs> Any comments, questions, thoughts, or ideas? It's all good stuff. It really is. And uh, it's just setting up for the rest of the book. You know, he just keeps building. Uh, Paul is like that. Paul is very cyclical. He'll say something, then he'll come back around with a layer, and then he'll say it again, then he add another layer, and it gets taller and taller, his logic and his argument, until he finally gets to the end, and you go, he said this, and he's, oh, that's, that's related to this thing way down ten layers. You gotta look for those layers to get him. And that's why taking a break.